Switchfoot here on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you could join us today on our live radio broadcast. Of course, broadcasting to you live from Canada, the nation to the north of the United States of America. And of course, uh, the United States inaugurated their newly elected president, Barack Obama, and... Uh, of course, billions, I think they counted up into the billions of people around the world watched as the first uh, black African, African-American president was inaugurated into uh, office. And already he's uh, signed a couple of executive orders. I think they want to shut down Guantanamo Bay there in Cuba, the military base there. And uh, they're starting to talk about withdrawing the soldiers from Iraq and putting them into Afghanistan. Now, we're not sure what's happening with Israel. The reports have shown this morning that Israel uh, has pulled out all their troops out of Gaza, and so that war is starting to uh, wind down. And it's interesting that Obama wants to also have a stimulus package to stimulate the economy. Hundreds of billions of dollars that he wants to pump into the economy, which means that America has to borrow more money. America right now is the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. And instead of getting their books in order... They are borrowing more money. And guess what? They are running on the credit card of China. They're running on Chinese credit. And they better hope they can pay that credit back because China, when they want their money back, what's going to happen? What's China going to do? What's China's next move? Now, China has about a billion people in their population. And the United States is about 300 million. And they, China, can put together, and they're doing it right now, they're spending multiple billions of dollars on their military. Yes, the Americans have the largest military in the world, but China can build a military in weeks. And it's interesting how we have transferred our economy, all our manufacturing jobs, the backbone of the American economy, transferred it to China. And now China's growing at 8 9% every single year, and we are in a recession. So Barack Obama has all these things on his plate that he has to deal with. And it's amazing. It's like a patchwork, crazy quilt of events that are so confusing. I mean... Some of the things he has to deal with are just, uh, the man is going to go gray in about a few weeks now with all that he has on his plate. And, uh, I mean, the mess that the previous administration has left behind, Barack Obama has his work cut out for him, that's for sure. Now, it's interesting, I was reading this this morning as I was studying my Bible in Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, God here is talking about the shepherds of Israel, and shepherds mean the rulers of Israel, not church leaders, not pastors. Pastors are the helpers of the shepherds, 
And of course, Jesus Christ is called the Good Shepherd in John the 10th chapter. And of course, Jesus is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And even David was called the shepherd that was to shepherd his people Israel, God's people Israel. So a shepherd means the king, the ruler of the nation of Israel. And God here has quite a lot to say about these shepherds of Israel. He says, Son of man, verse 2, prophesy to the shepherds of Israel, saying unto them, Thus saith the eternal God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Now the flocks, of course, is Israel. In the same chapter, it actually says it. And so, the government, here in Canada we call them ministers. We have the prime minister, who is the head of the government of Canada. And he's called a minister, the prime minister. And then we have the ministers of parliament. They're all ministers. And I think these people have kind of lost what that word actually means. It means service. That you are to serve the people of Israel. And God says here that the shepherds of Israel are not doing that. They feed themselves. They serve themselves. And, of course, we've seen that time and again in Congress and also up here in Canada in Parliament where people, they'll say anything to get elected just to get elected, but then once in power, once in office, well, then the true agenda appears. And a lot of people are just out there for the taking and see how much money they can accumulate for themselves. And yet, the role of a minister, of a prime minister or a president, is to serve. And Christ plainly said himself in Matthew, the 20th chapter, He who is great among you must be your servant. He who is your master must be your slave. Just like the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ said that. That's the true definition of service. That even though you are a president or a prime minister, you are to serve the people. You are a servant. And you can even apply that to family life, where the parents are the heads of the family. And what do they do? Well, they work for their family. They provide for their family. They, you know, do things around the house. And, you know, they are keepers of the home and so on. And they serve their children. You know, they serve, they, they make them food and they buy them clothes. They are leaders of the family, yet they serve the ones below them, their children. So you can even apply it to family life. You can apply it to all aspects of life. And this is why when you look through time in history, you look through history when it comes to tyrants like Hitler and, uh, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, the the leaders of the Old Testament, the Assyrian uh, dictators, Ashurbanipal and so on. You see that these people were tyrants and they went out to conquer for themselves, to gather as much money and spoils of war as possible 
for themselves and collected for themselves. And they were dictators. Saddam Hussein is another one. He was out for himself. The man ruled a country with an iron hand to accumulate as much wealth for himself. And that's what started basically the uh, Gulf War. He wanted to manipulate oil prices. His country was in debt. Decided to attack Kuwait. Made up some flimsy story about how Kuwait used to be part of Iraq and so on. And uh, wanted to take it by force. Drive up the oil prices. That way Europe and America can pay more for oil. And and uh, they would buy his oil at a higher rate. Kicked off the whole Gulf War. We see it time and again in these pagan nations. Of tyranny. Of dictatorship. And we also see it here in the Israelite nations of people feeding themselves instead of the shepherds should be feeding the flocks. And not just when it comes to physical, but also spiritual. In Jeremiah 3.15, God says that you should feed my people with knowledge and understanding, which we do not do. The shepherds of Israel do not do. They should feed the flock with knowledge and understanding of God's word, but they don't. Instead, we are steeped in political correctness, and we come up with all these excuses why we should legalize abortion and uh, same-sex marriages, and people that are opposed to it are weirdos and flakos. This is from our own government. So instead of feeding the flock with knowledge and understanding of Almighty God and His laws, we don't do that. And here we are going to see the results in this very chapter. What happens when we don't feed the flocks with knowledge and understanding of God's law? In verse 3 it says, "Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock the diseased, and this is a symbol of sin. You can read that in Isaiah, the first chapter, verse 2 through 6. The disease, have you not strengthened? And now they see all these, all these sins that are happening in our countries today, and what do they do? They legalize a lot of these sins. You know, homosexuality used to be illegal here in Canada. Now, we've legalized same-sex marriage. So we're not healing the disease, the sins. We're not trying to tell people what is right and what is wrong in our society through our governments. Instead, we encourage sin in our countries today. The disease you have not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. And this is by war or captivity. And you can talk about the Vietnam War, and you can apply that to this scripture. Neither have you sought that which was lost. And you can apply that to people that have fallen away from the culture 
of America. A lot of people have gone to other countries and renounced uh, their American citizenship, Canadian citizenship, and live as the pagans live. A lot of people have gone to India. When you look at the Beatles back in the 1960s, they've gone to India and they sat with the Maharishi uh, Yogi there and renounced all of Western civilization. And we have not gone, we have not sought out that which was lost and bring them back into the fold. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And isn't that absolutely true? They have, and they were scattered because there was no shepherd, there was no leadership, there was no organization, there was no government. They became meat to all the beasts of the field, and that is the Gentile nations, when they were scattered. Now, why were they scattered? Well, when sheep are gone astray, and they have no shepherd, they scatter. And they wander off. My sheep, verse 6 says, My sheep wandered through all the mountains, and upon every high hill, that is a symbol of idolatry. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth, and none did search nor seek after them. They have no shepherd. There is no leadership in the nations of Israel today. Today, the philosophy is to do whatever you like. And we're going back to the days of the judges, in Judges 17, 6, 21, verse 25. It says that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And therefore, we do not see our nations as a cohesive unit, believing in one thing, believing in one religion, believing in one purpose. Instead, everybody's believing in whatever they want, everyone, there's, you know, multiculturalism, which is causing segregation and separation. You're seeing all sorts of different types of religions, religions in our countries, and therefore, everybody's doing what, what is right in their own eyes, and they are scattered upon the mountains, meaning the nations of Israel. And we are continuing to scatter till eventually we are going to go into slavery and captivity and we are scattered throughout the nations. Verse 7, Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Eternal. And do you think the governments, the leaders of Israel, are going to heed to the word of God? Hear ye shepherds the word of the Eternal. Verse 8, as I live, saith the eternal God, surely my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, no leadership. And a lot of people don't see leadership in our leaders today. In Isaiah, I'll show you the prophecies later in Isaiah, God says that I will take away from you the mighty man, the wise man, and, you know, when you look at the campaigns today, when I was looking at the campaigns in Canada, when we had the election uh, a few months back in 08, every single leader was a weak leader. 
There was no purpose, no program. All they talked about was throwing money here and throwing money there, and you didn't see any leadership whatsoever. And because there was no leadership, the people of Israel are prey to the pagan nations. They are prey to pagan religions. And they're being absorbed in all the world, and they are losing their Israelite heritage, identity, culture, and civilization. Because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and feed not the flock. They didn't go after the people that wandered off and are scattered into the mountains. Unlike the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who loves the sheep and goes after the sheep, as Christ says that Christ came to seek that which was lost. And he's talking about the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's in Matthew the 10th chapter, verse 5 and 6, and Matthew the 15th chapter, verse 24. Jesus Christ came to go after the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The good shepherd, the king, goes after his sheep. But the shepherds today in Israel don't go after the sheep. They, don't, they want hands off. They don't care for the sheep. They just say, well, let them do what they want. It's politically incorrect to tell these people to do what God says they should do. You ever hear a president or a prime minister say, this is what God says, and this is what we should do. Absolutely not. And because there's no leadership, we are scattered. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. They have their own beliefs. Right or wrong, there is multiculturalism. There's who knows how many religions in our countries today, and we are scattered. We are not a nation united under God, even though we say it a lot. And in Canada, if you ask... What's your national religion? What is the, the most common religion in Canada? Well, 85-90% of people are Christian, but when you look at the books, they have one big question mark because the government promotes multiculturalism. So they don't want a one single religion to be dominant in Canada. So they put a big question mark. That's our government. That's our shepherds. Verse 10, Thus saith the eternal God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and I will cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. So Almighty God is going to deliver Israel from the evil, wicked governments of Israel, and the good shepherd, Christ, is going to be over his flock of the house of Israel. For thus saith the Eternal, verse 11, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. Now let's turn to John, the 10th chapter, and verse 16. 
John 10 and verse 16, and here we see in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Now that's a leader. Gives his whole life to serve his sheep. And it says, but he, the hireling, and not the shepherd, who's o- who owns the sheep, are not, the hireling and not the shepherd, who's o- whose own the sheep, are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them, and scatters the sheep. The hireling doesn't own the sheep, doesn't care for the sheep. When the wolf comes, takes off. The hireling fleeth, verse 13, because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And verse 16, it says, And other sheep which I have, which are not of this fold, the house of Judah, the Jews, are called God's flock. But there are other sheep that are not of this fold. And he's talking, of course, about the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 10, verse 5 and 6. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So, God says, Christ says, that there are other sheep, not of this fold, not of the house of Judah, but the house of Israel, that he will bring in to his fold, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. He is going to seek out the lost sheep of the house of Israel and bring them back. And this is what this means here. As the shepherd seeks out his flock, verse 12 of Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And that is the great tribulation. Joel 2 verse 2 proves that. And that is the time in Daniel, Daniel the 12th chapter, speaks of the same thing in the 12th chapter of Daniel. It says in verse... One, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince that stands for the children of your people. And it says there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. That is the great tribulation. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Matthew 24, 21. Talking about the great tribulation, the cloudy and dark day. It says... And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life. The dead in Christ shall rise first at the second coming of Christ. So we see the time setting of this prophecy. And then it says here in verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which is upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, And he swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half, that's the great tribulation, 
and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, that's Israel, all these things shall be accomplished or finished. So that is the time of the great tribulation, the cloudy and dark day, when the sheep are scattered completely into slavery and captivity. I will bring them out of the people and gather them from the countries, verse 13, and I will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel. So Israel is going to come back to their promised land and God is going to feed them with knowledge and understanding. Upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. And this is also in Revelation the 7th chapter, verse 15 through 17, we see the sealing of the 144,000, the 144,000, and then the multitude of other Israelites from all nations from around the world and their different tongues. And of course, the Israelite nations are not just the English-speaking peoples, but also in Scandinavian countries. We have the Finnish, we have the French, we have the Welsh, we have the Swedish peoples. So all over in the Scandinavian countries, I will feed them in a good pasture upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. And there shall they lie in a good fold in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. And God says he will dwell among his sheep. Verse 12. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Revelation the 7th chapter shows this very scenario. This is after the Great Tribulation. It says here, in verse 7, in Revelation 7 rather, in verse 2 it says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And then I heard the number of them that were sealed, and it was 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel. And then all the Israelites were sealed. After this, behold, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, and peoples, and tongues. And that includes the nations of Israel, and, of course, the Gentile nations as well. Stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now, notice, it says here, And I said to him, Sir, verse 14, Sir, knowest... One of the elders answered, verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, who are these which are arrayed in white robes? I kind of skipped to the next uh, verse without the previous one, so you won't get lost. What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence they came? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation 
This is when Israel is scattered. These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. So here we see Christ dwelling among his scattered flock Israel. As we read in Ezekiel, the 34th chapter and verse 12, that he, he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will deliver them from all places where they have been scattered on the cloudy and dark day. And then it says, They shall not hunger any more, neither shall they thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them into the living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So here we see Christ feeding his scattered sheep Israel, dwelling among them. As it says here in Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, I will feed them in a good pasture upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down. That's peace. I will seek that which was lost. And Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 10, Christ says the exact same thing. I will Seek that which was lost, and bring them again, which was driven away. And I will bind them up, that which was broken, and strengthen that which was sick. And this is Christ's ministry. In Isaiah, the 61st chapter, verses 1 through 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Spirit of counsel and might. And he says here, let me just turn to it right quickly. In Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and this is what he read in the synagogue in Luke, the fourth chapter. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord on the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. That is the second coming of Christ. So here we see Christ fulfilling the ministry. He fulfilled it in his first coming, but he left that part out, the acceptable year of the Lord, left the latter part out in Luke the fourth chapter, because it was a dual prophecy that was to be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ, where he binds up, heals all of Israel that is scattered. And then it says, uh, but I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them with judgment. That is the shepherds of Israel. God is going to destroy the wicked shepherds of Israel because what, the, because what they have done to his sheep. So, God is pretty mad at the shepherds of Israel. And we must pray, as the Bible says we should, for our leaders to gain wisdom, godly wisdom, and to seek out God's law on how and seek out God's law, because this is how we are to govern 
our countries through the laws of the Bible and, of course, the foundation of the Constitution of the United States and Canada. The foundation of the Constitution is from the laws of God. Notice in Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter, it says here about the king, it says here in verse 18, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the eternal his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them. And that his heart be not lifted above, lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom and he and his children in the midst of Israel. So this is what the king is to do, to learn the law and to do them, to execute the statutes and the judgments of God in Israel, in the nation. And so far, when it comes to social issues, I don't see that with Barack Obama. He is pretty much left-wing when it comes to a lot of these social issues. So it's going to be interesting to see how, what he's going to do in his administration when it comes to the social problems of America. The foundational building blocks of America is under attack. The family is under attack. Uh, you know, abortions is rampant in our countries. The family is breaking apart. Single families, you know, single parent families are all over. Divorce is like an epidemic in our countries today. Everybody's getting divorced. It's like a plague out there. Same-sex unions now. You know, it's interesting. When you read some of the foundational documents of... America, and you look at America now, it's amazing the contrast that you see when America first got started and now. How we have gone so astray from the foundational building blocks of the Constitution of the United States of America and Canada. I can put Canada into this as well. And all the British colonies. We have forgotten Almighty God. And we keep sinning. Now, Obama says that it's time for America to be responsible, that it can't do whatever he wants. Well, it looks like time will tell if uh, he's actually going to execute uh, that and if he actually means what he says. Because remember, he's still a politician. And he's going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Now, God says, woe to the shepherds of Israel. And I believe God before I believe any politician. Let's go to commercial break. We'll be back with more on British Israel Radio. This is a James Dobson Family Minute. When you drop your toddler off and she begins to weep and wail, let her cry it out. Dr. James Dobson, those tears will not hurt her. 
And after you've done it about once or twice, then it's no fun doing it anymore, and she'll quit doing it. To not do that means that you will yield to the manipulation of a youngster who is saying, do it my way, and if you don't, I'll scream. And that's not healthy for a child. And generally speaking, you are not going to hurt your child emotionally or long-term by going ahead and doing what you need to do and then coming back to get her. And when she finds out you always return and that the people that she stays with are not going to hurt her, then uh, she'll settle down and you both will be better off. James Dobson Family Minutes is a production of Focus on the Family. All right, we're back here on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. And if you want to find out more about the British Israel Church of God, log on to our website at britishisrael.ca. That's british-israel.ca, the official homepage of the British Israel Church of God. And we have our statements of beliefs up on the website and uh, other documents that explain who we are and what we're trying to do here in this end time. And are we living in the end time? Is this going to be the last president of the United States? Now, I've proved to you in a few years now that we right now are standing, we right now are at Daniel, the 11th chapter and verse 44. The time of tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. That's the king of the north. And that king of the north is the president of the United States who heads that northern alliance of NATO. And we prove that to you in our booklet, The Middle Eastern Prophecy, which I am updating right now with more sources and more proofs that prove our position. Tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. East and north means the old Persian area of the Persian Empire, which is Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And we are getting tidings or announcements or reports out of there all the time. Now from Iran. And they're calling on jihad against Israel. And it's troubling the king of the north, the president of the United States. All those announcements back in 2000, 2001, calling on war, jihad against the United States. It troubled us. The bombing of the USS Cole, the Twin Towers, all because of those announcements out of the east and out of the north, because there's a view from Palestine, north and east of Palestine is exactly those areas. We get announcements out of there all the time, and it troubles us. And we are in the war against terrorism. Notice, therefore he, the king of the north, shall go forth with great fury. Remember what happened in 9-11, the fury of the NATO alliance. And everybody backed the United States, and the United States was very, very popular at that time. And it says he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly annihilate many. And that is the policy of the United States to obliterate terrorism. So this is where we are right now. Next step. He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and in the glorious holy mountain. You are going to see soon 
because of these tidings that are coming out of the north and the east, the United States plant a military base in Israel, in the Negev Desert, between the seas, and in the glorious holy mountain. Jerusalem is going to get to a point where Israel will be under constant threats continually from the Palestinians, from the Iranians, who are trying to build a nuclear bomb, no matter what they say. They are the biggest threat in the Middle East right now. And to protect Israel, he, the King of the North, the President of the United States, will put a military base in those two areas. And when you see that, the United States putting a military base in Israel, it says he shall come to his end and none shall help him. The end of NATO. The end of the United States of America. NATO will break apart. This same scripture is in Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, verse 14, where it says, All your allies, the NATO allies, have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. It says, He shall come to his end, and none shall help him. We keep borrowing more money. Well, wars cost money. Another prophecy says in Ezekiel, the seventh chapter, that the trumpet shall sound, but no one shall go to war. Why? We're out of money. Wars cost money. The United States is borrowing more money. How much money can you possibly borrow? It's going to get to a point where the United States will go bankrupt and won't have the money to send people out to war, just like the Soviet Union. Soviet Union collapsed because of money. Communism doesn't work. Capitalism works. But because of bad management, and God says you will be the lender, not the borrower, if you keep my laws, but we haven't, and in the Bible says that you will become the curses of Israel, you will become the borrower and not the lender, the tail and not the head. And the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And we are slaves right now, economically, to China, because we're running on China's credit card. So the next verse is what you're going to see. Is Barack Obama the last president of the United States? Is he going to fulfill this prophecy? In, the four, in Daniel the 11th chapter. Time will only tell, but we are close. We are close to the end because it says, at that time, verse 1 of Daniel the 12th chapter, at that time, and every, prophecy, every commentary shows you because of the structure and the language of the verse, that when it says, at that time, it is talking about when the king of the north comes to his end, shall Michael stand up, the great prince that stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even at that same time. When America comes to his end, the great tribulation is going to start, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, and that's us, the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations and the Scandinavian peoples. We're close. Obama could be our last president. If not him, certainly the next one, for sure. 
I'm not setting any dates, but we are very close. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be back with more on British Israel Radio. Hey, hey, have you heard the latest? Well, people don't exactly stop by and shoot the breeze with a tax collector. <laughs> yeah, you know, that uh, skimming off the top doesn't uh, make hey, you a lot hey, of friends. You want to talk here? To, what's <laughs> the big news? Well, and by the way, this is Tell not me. gossip. I saw hey. it with my own eyes. Right. Zacchaeus mm-hmm. met Jesus. Really? And is a new man. You mean he's not a cheating tax man uh-uh. anymore? He did a 180. Wow. Said he's going to give half his wealth to the poor. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, Plus, my. he's going to pay back the people. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. Oh, I can't believe it. I saw it. One evidence of whether or not people have really trusted Christ is how completely they trust Him with their money. True generosity is a quality that only Jesus Christ can give. What kind of evidence of generosity is in your life? Read Zacchaeus' story in Luke 19 and ask yourself this question. Do things own you or vice versa? Luke chapter 19 gives us an idea, a thought from the pages of Our Daily Bread. All right, we're back here on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. And if you want to contact me live on the radio program, MSN Messenger, just punch in our Hotmail email account in your MSN Messenger. And if you have a microphone, just press Start Talking, and of course you can talk to me live on the radio broadcast. If you don't have a microphone, just send us an instant message with your comment, question, prayer, or music request. And of course we will play it on the live radio program. So don't hesitate. We want to hear from you. Now, what does the people of Israel, what do they have to do to get out of this pickle that we're in and back on track of being the top nation of the world, an example to the nations, to serve the nations the way God intended intended Israel to be, that God says that his servant Israel would be a covenant of the people, a Britannia, that they would serve the nations, let the prisoners go free, and so on. You can read that in Isaiah 40 through 49. And we fulfilled those prophecies when the Bible was actually read when the churches were actually full in our countries, when people actually obeyed it and took it seriously, we fulfilled a lot of those prophecies of being God's servant nation on the earth. You think of the great missionaries of the 18th and 19th centuries, going into Africa, in Asia, serving the people, teaching them about God, and giving them the knowledge of Almighty God. The British Empire they themselves said that we are a chosen people, chosen by God, to serve the nations. And that's what the true definition of British imperialism, the true definition of British imperialism is. And I wrote that in my book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. That they are there to serve the nations, to be an example And we've colonized and civilized many of the heathen nations and brought them out of savagery and and brought them into civilization, civilized culture. Set the slaves free. Stop the African slave trade that the Muslims started 
when the Muslim Empire was around, they started the black African slave trade and kept kept taunting the Europeans to take a lot, take their slaves, take their slaves. The Europeans wanted none of it at first. Then they took them, but eventually came to their senses and let the slaves go free. A lot of judgment and justice and equity we have done in the name of God. But now we've fallen away from that. And now we are the largest debtor nation. Social problems, unbelievable social problems that we have. Murder rates sky high. Families breaking up. Divorce rampant. Uh, sexual uh, deviancy is rampant. What do we need to do to get on top, to get our countries out of this rut and back to the top nation and example to the rest of the world? You know, Solomon's prayer is very interesting. In First Kings, here he has the prayer when the Ark of the Covenant came into the temple in Jerusalem. And God's glory came down and filled the temple. And the Shekinah glory was there, between dwelling between the two cherubim. And Solomon gave this prayer. And it says here in the 8th chapter, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. And he spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, There is no God like you in heaven, above or on the earth beneath, who keepeth, who keeps covenant and mercy with his servants, that walk before thee with all their heart. See, it's a two-way street. God keeps his covenant and mercy. But you must walk before God with all your heart and mind to serve God always. And it says here in verse 25, Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that thou promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel so that thy children take heed to their way that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. And that promise has been fulfilled that David would never fail someone to sit upon his throne, and that throne is occupied today by Queen Elizabeth. Now, a little later on, it says here in his prayer, and I'll just give you a couple of examples, it says, when thy people Israel be smitten down before the enemy, because they have sinned against you, and shall turn again to you, and confess your name, and pray, and make supplication unto thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven, forgive the sin of thy people Israel, and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest unto their father. When heaven is shut up, meaning no rain, no precipitation, and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, if they pray towards this place, and confess thy name. Now they prayed toward Jerusalem, because God dwelt there. His presence was in Jerusalem. Now, His presence is not in Jerusalem today, so we pray towards heaven because His presence is always there in heaven. Confess your name. Turn from their sin when thou afflicts them. Then hear thou in heaven. 
forgive the sin of thy servants and thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. Then he talks about famine and pestilence, blasting mildew and locust. If their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands towards this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place. Notice, God's dwelling place is in heaven. And forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou, only know the hearts of all the children of men, that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. There's your solution. Solomon said that if the people of Israel turn from their ways and start keeping God's ways, that God will heal their land. God will bless them once again because God knows their hearts, God knows their minds, and if all of Israel repented and their hearts are just their hearts are towards God and they want to obey God with all their heart, mind and soul. God will heal their land and God will bless our nations once again. And of course God heard this prayer. God heard it and he would fulfill that promise. There's the solution. Now, can you imagine somebody up in Congress or Parliament here in Canada or the UK would stand up and say, you know, people, I know the exact solution to all these problems that we have here today. With the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and all our social problems, I know the solution to all these problems that we have today. You know, and a hush comes down on the Senate floor. And everybody's, shh, let's hear what he has to say. Well, what's he going to propose? Some new legislation? Uh, you know, what's the solution to all these problems that we have? And he'd say, ladies and gentlemen, the solution to all the problems that we have is to keep, start keeping the Ten Commandments of God. Can you imagine what would happen on that Senate floor? Well, after all the laughing and people rolling around on the ground laughing their you-know-what's-off because of that solution, then probably a lot of these people would probably call security and the men in white would come and put that funny-looking straitjacket on them and clap them in the back of a van and, you know, drive them off to the funny farm. Let's face it, people will not take the Bible Seriously, they don't believe that the Bible is the very word of God. Let's get serious here. I mean, we look at the inauguration yesterday, and everybody's saying a lot of prayers, and everybody's praying, and everybody's got their eyes closed. Well, not everybody. I was looking into the audience while there was 
uh, a prayer by Rick Warren, I believe, and a lot of people weren't even, they didn't even bow their heads. They were just watching him pray, didn't take it seriously, and some did and some didn't. And there was a lot of prayers, but you think that the audience and a lot of people in government there took that prayer seriously? That they're actually going to change their lives and change their agendas? Because a lot of people out there on stage have their agendas and people want to get to the president because they have certain things that they want from the government. So you think that simple little prayer that Mr. Warren gave is going to change a lot of these people's minds? God willing, if it does. But I often say that we here in the United States and Canada, we're in a mold right now. A mold God calls hardened hearts. And that when a heart is hardened, it needs to be broken and then reworked. We are in a certain mold, and God has to break it so he can work with it again. Notice in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, the word of the eternal, verse 1, came to Jeremiah from the eternal, saying, Arise, go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay, was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as it seemeth good to the potter to make. The word of the Eternal came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, not the house of Judah, the house of Israel. Now they are already taken up into captivity. Yet he's saying here, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Eternal? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit, that it would benefit them. So here is God as the potter. We are his clay. And he mold us in a certain way. And if it does evil, then all the good that he proposed to do on us, will he suspend that it would benefit us and he would pluck the nation, pull the nation down and destroy it. Destroy that mold that we're in right now. God molded us a certain way. And we've molded ourselves in a different way, in an evil way. So God has to destroy that mold. Pull it down. Pluck it out. Destroy it. And then God will mold us again. God is the potter. We are the clay. 
he's in charge. So do you think, with all those prayers that were being said yesterday, that people are going to change their agendas, people are going to change their minds nationally as a nation? No, people have their agendas. Nothing's going to change. We are in a certain mold, and God is going to pull down, pluck it up, and destroy it. Because the mold that we're in right now is an evil mold. And if we repent, well then God will not do any of the evil that he has pronounced upon our nations. If we repent and get in that mold that God wants us in. So the key word for this day today of the inauguration of the new president is national repentance. If we repent, if we turn from our sin, well then we can be the top nation on the earth. The chief of the nations, God says. If we repent. If not, then... We will continue on this morals toboggan slide and we will continue to go down until we are the lowest of the peoples, as the curses say. That the stranger within your gates will get up very, very high and you I will bring down very, very low. We will not be the chief of the nations anymore if we continue on this road. Let us break the mold. Let us repent. And let God mold us. Let He is the workman. He is the workman that molds us. Let me just read Ephesians, the second chapter. In verse. Eight, it says, For grace are ye saved, through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, that's our works, not the works, that's our works, not God's law, it's talking about man's works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained, that we should walk in them. Let us repent. And let God mold us. Let God mold us. He will feed us with his knowledge, understanding we will mold into something beautiful, a beautiful vessel. So that is the key word for our nations today, is to repent. And God willing, that we will repent. So none of the evil the great tribulation will come upon us. Do you think it'll happen? Well, we're just going to have to wait and see. Here's another song here by Sonic Flood. Here is famous one on British Israel Radio. <laughs> 